Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. Good evening. Hi, everybody. Um, I stood over there. My name's Hannah, by the way. Um, I was stood (laughs) over there thinking this stage is pretty big, possibly big enough for me to do one of those Michael McIntyre dances that he does at the beginning of his little act around the stage, and then I thought nobody wants to see the pregnant lady do that. So I won't treat you to that. You do. You can be quiet. Unbelievable. Okay, guys, I'm so excited to be sharing with you this evening because it is my great privilege to be wrapping up what has been a 10-week series in Hebrews 11. And we're going to finish today with Hebrews 12. And we call the series, um, We Could Be Heroes. We could. We could be heroes. And the reason that we did this series, just to give you a bit of a framework um, for where we've been, is that as a leadership team, we felt... God wanted to breathe faith into us for the journey ahead of us in this next season as a, as a church together, that there was boldness and there was courage that God wanted to give to us to be the people that he was asking us to be. That's, that's why we've gone through Hebrews 11 and Carl started us off unsurprisingly with verse 1 of Hebrews 11. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And he helped us define faith as these three things. Taking God at his word. Trusting God in his power to show up. And putting the weight of your life on the belief of your heart. Which basically means that talking about it is talking about it. But doing it is doing it. And it's been my observation, I don't know, maybe you've been on holiday, maybe you've not been here for the whole thing, but I think God's done a lot in us, actually, as a church and as individuals. For some of us, that's looked like God, almost like he does that kind of sneaky sidestep until he's next to you, and he's like, come on, you can do this, (laughs) you were made for this. It's like he's, he's kind of confirmed the things that he's already given us a heart for. And he's saying, would you just step into this? I'm right next to you. Would you just go for it? And then I think for others of us, it's actually been more of a healing process, which has been maybe a little surprising for some of us. But actually there's been healing that God has wanted to pour into our hearts because there's been places where we've just been burnt dry by our experience of being a faith people. And God's done that. He's been so gracious and so kind. And probably you could all tell me other things that God has done in these last 10 weeks together. But I just wanted to um, begin really by saying that Aaron, who preached last week, told you all a really big lie. And um, I really feel I should just deconstruct this for you this morning because I don't have any time for heresy in this church. (laughs) Um, But basically, Aaron, last week... um, He basically said, if these guys were awesome, if these Hebrews 11 heroes, these big guns, these like amazing stories of faith and people who walked with God, if these guys were great, then Jesus is better. 
Jesus is better. Jesus is the ultimate hero. And he told you a big lie when he said that he absolutely hated ruining the series for you. But I don't think he hated it at all. I think he actually quite enjoyed that. So just so you all know. Learning from the heroes of the past, from these Hebrews 11 individuals, I think helps us strip off and take away the stuff that would hinder us as we run with faith into 2015, 2016, helps us realize anew what it means to be a person of faith in this city, what it looks like to love people in the name of Jesus who don't know God yet. These are all amazing things that we've learned. But ultimately, it's Jesus who gets us running. It's Jesus. It's him. It's through him. And so if you have a Bible with you this evening, I'd love you to turn with me to Hebrews 12. And we are going to read together possibly one of the greatest passages of scripture in the entire Bible. But we can argue about that later. I'll be on the door. So Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, therefore, in view of the entire previous chapter hear this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's um, pray together as we come around God's word, shall we? Father, we we thank you that you do speak, and we thank you that this is your word. This is your precious word. This is your scripture. And I just pray really simply, Father, that you would come and you would encourage your people how you would encourage them, and you would breathe faith into us this evening for the road ahead. Would you open our eyes to Jesus afresh tonight? We pray this in his name. Amen. So um, any of you who have ever done any preaching will know that there are a hundred ways that you could preach this passage. But I felt God just say to me, Hannah, just keep it really simple. So I've got three really simple points this evening. Three really simple encouragements straight out of the passage. This is what I think it means to walk with faith this next season of our life together. And being the excellent Baptist preacher that I am, they all begin with P, and there are only three of them. So hopefully you'll all remember them. They are run with perseverance, look with perspective, live with power. Are you up for that? Great. Run with perseverance. Faith people run with perseverance. The image that the Hebrews writer is using here is basically you're in a sports stadium and you're in a long distance race. Okay, this is, this is serious. This is kind of like Mo Farah type situation going on here. You are surrounded by a stadium of people who are cheering you on. They're saying, come on, run with everything you've got. 
And these people in the stadium are these Hebrews 11 heroes that we have encountered these past few weeks. Now, I have to confess that I do not know much about long-distance running, but I have participated in some long-distance sport in my time. And I know what you're probably all thinking. You're probably all thinking, she's looking in great shape for someone who regularly participates in long-distance sport. Um, I'm on a baby-making sabbatical right now. (laughs) Um, But last summer, I wanted to tell you, I took part in a long-distance swim in open water in Loch Lomond. And I'm going to commit social suicide right now and show you all a photo of me in my wetsuit. Okay? Yes. Why, thank you. (laughs) This is me and uh, my lovely friend Fiona. And this is me training on the left in the Highlands. And um, it was epic. I've never really done anything like this before. I've always been into swimming, but Fiona kind of talked me into it. If any of you know Fiona, you'll know how that happened. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was, it was so much fun. And the thing about um, open water swimming, long distance swimming, is that it's an introvert's absolute dream because nobody can talk to you. And if they try, you just swim off <laughs> in another direction. Um, so I loved it. And I, I can totally engage with this Hebrews 12 picture when I think about my swim because I'd kind of forgotten that there would be a finish line. You know, I'd, I'd got into my rhythm and I was, I was moving along and I was, I was pacing myself. And then all of a sudden I come around the shoreline and there's this finish line. There's this like shore with all these people on it cheering and there's bunting, and there's balloons and there's loudspeakers. And then because I'm wearing one of those extremely attractive swimming hats, they, they've spotted my number. So there's this Tanai announcement. Hannah Montgomery coming round the corner. Number 274. Five minutes, 45 minutes. And then I I come up, I sort of kind of start to speed up because I'm so enthused by these people cheering me on. So my legs go like jelly and it looks slightly ridiculous as I'm kind of clambering up the jetty. And uh, I I cross the finish line. And that was my race. And I absolutely nailed it. I was so proud. Never done anything like it. Thank you. And uh, yes. Thank you. That's me and my little boy Charlie at the end with the, he quite liked the medal. God says that we are in a race. You, you this evening, you, each one of you is in a race. And it's a God marathon. And the finish line is either your death, hate to break it to you, it's either your death or it's the return of Jesus. That's that's where we're running to. And I want to get to the end of my race. And I want to stand before Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to stand before Jesus and say, I gave it my absolute best shot. I gave it everything that I had and I nailed it. Do you want that? I want that. I want to run with perseverance. And so I want, I want to ask you this evening, how's your race going? How's your race going? Perhaps um, you've started out a bit fast and you're in need of a bit of an iron brew break, some refreshment. (laughs) Perhaps you're doing quite well, you're pacing yourself. You know the things that God's called you to. You know the people that he's given your heart for. You know what your race looks like. How's your race going? And do you know, if you feel alone in your race this evening, maybe you're here visiting from another church or you're listening online and 
it's really hard actually running this God marathon thing because you often just feel like you're the only one really persevering. Can I encourage you that you have the whole of heaven cheering you on? The whole of heaven saying, come on, you can do this. You are made for this. This is your adventure. Live it. Go for it. That's what the heroes of the past do for us. They will us to step into everything that God has for us. You see, before my race, all the elite athletes raced. I was only one race behind, okay, just to impress you all. So they, they all kind of line up. And I had a wetsuit, as you saw. We're not going to show that photo again. Um, I, I had a wetsuit, and I thought mine... <laughs> Oi. I, I thought my wetsuit was pretty clingy, okay? Like, it was the closest thing to lycra I've ever worn and will ever wear. I'm not repeating that experience. Um, but honestly, these elite athletes, theirs was like lycra meets spray tan. It was like Tom Daly Speedos, but all over. It was like, you did not know where to look. It was, and, and this is, I looked at those guys and I was like, wow, that is how to do it. That is how to nail that race. And, and we learned that from the people, the heroes of the past. And do you know what? They were human. They messed up. We've gone through those stories these past 10 weeks, haven't we? People who were just like us. You know, they got stuff wrong, they said stupid things, they let people down, but they let God in, and they ran their race, and they finished well. What do you need to throw off today? What has God challenged you with these past few weeks? The stuff that hinders us, the sin that entangles us, the word there is onken in the Greek, it means anything excessive. You know, like, it would have been ridiculous for me to do that swim fully clothed would have just, you know, I would have probably died. But, I mean, think about that just for a minute. What do you need to throw off tonight? That God's just like, he's just, he's so kind the way he does it. He just comes alongside you and puts his finger on something and says, hey, would you let me help you with that? You don't need to carry that, that pattern of thinking, that attitude, that doubt or question that you have that you just need to bring to me and and work through with me instead of without me would you just let me help you with that what would it look like for you to do that with him tonight to run with perseverance one of the things actually God's really challenged me with this series has been that um, faith is something so intentional you know we, we hear words like hinder and entangle and we immediately think no No, no sin. I will not do this. I will be your personal faith. But actually, what if living with faith meant that we were prepared to hear God's yes above all the other yeses that surround us in our culture, in our communities, in the people around us? I have a little boy called Charlie, and I feel like I am always saying no to him. No, Charlie. No biting. No pushing. No kicking, no smearing pseudocreme all over the TV, no. But what if actually Father God is a bit different? What if it's his yes? Do you know, learning what it is to put on the things that God gives us and not the things that are for other people that are good. Learning to discern between the best and the good. What if that's the kind of faith that's really going to radically set us apart 
in this city that's going to tell people, these people, they're, they're completely sold out for Jesus. They're willing to lay everything down for him. I was reading Hebrews 11. I was challenged. Moses walked from royalty into the desert to be the man that God had called him to be. Joseph walked from royalty, from the desert, (laughs) into royalty. No, hold on. I'm getting that confused. Moses. I'll go back to my notes. (laughs) This is horrendous. Moses walked from royalty into the desert. Joseph walked from the desert into royalty. Do you think when they got to heaven, Moses sat down with Joseph at the bar and was like, hey, dude, I got a hard deal. How did you get that? I don't think so. I think he was pretty happy that he'd been the man that God had called him to be. What are the things that maybe you're you're trying to live that is not your adventure? It's a good thing, but someone else's. What's your race? What do you need to throw off? Faith people run with perseverance. So they get rid of the stuff that would slow them down, but they're also happy to be in it for the long haul. Aaron talked about that last week, didn't he? I want to be 30 years a Christian, not a Christian 30 years, one year, 30 times over. I want to be a Christian 30 years, not a Christian one year, 30 times over. I want to be in this for the long haul. I, I want to be, do you want to be in it for the long haul? Yeah. I want to look radically different in 30 years than I do today because I've walked with Jesus and I've let him change me. And faith and courage, they they can sound like big, sexy, glamorous concepts when we started out in this series. But actually, when we get down to it, it's the nitty gritty of day by day by day, putting one foot in front of the other, following Jesus. Sometimes faith and courage is going to look like Sitting down at the end of the day and saying, do you know what, today wasn't great, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to try again. I want to be in it for the long haul. Peterson says that discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Faith people run with perseverance, the race marked out for them. Second point, faith people look with perspective. I don't know about you, but I have certainly found in life that perspective changes everything. And this was never more brought true to me than a couple of years ago. My husband Tom and I led a team to India, to a place called Pune in Maharashtra, where as a church we partner um, with a charity there who church plant and run amazing, loads of amazing things. And so we'd taken a team over a few consecutive years, and um, this is the last time that we went out. And uh, to give you some background to the story, in India, it's kind of a good thing if you're slighter, slightly more plump around the edges, shall we say. That's, that's a good thing. That's a sign of your wealth, that you are doing well. If you lose weight, there is a significant problem. Okay, so I'm going to treat you to my best Indian accent right now, so prepare yourselves. Um, so basically, we arrived, and all the young men come running up to me, very concerned faces. Hannah! Hannah, oh, Tom, Tom, he, he not looking so well. Tom, what is the problem? What, you're not feeding him. Is there a problem with your marriage? <laughs> because Tom 
had lost a little weight. He was feeling great about himself. I I told him what what everyone had said. He was like, yes. (laughs) On the other hand, and you can maybe see where this is going, the women come up to Tom. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. Your wife. She looking so fine. Perspective changes everything. And verse 2 tells us that we run fixing our eyes on Jesus. He changes our perspective. He helps us see things the way we should see them. Actually, I didn't know this when I was unpacking this scripture this week with the commentaries. The verb that's actually used there implies looking away to Jesus. It implies that there will be stuff that all of us will get caught up. Whether you're like the best Christian in the world or whatever, there will be stuff that you will get caught up looking at. And we need to be people who look away to Jesus. Look away to him. Why? Because he's the pioneer and the perfecter. Let's unpack that a little bit. He's the pioneer because he's your leader. He's gone before you. He's not asking you to do something that he hasn't already done. He has made the way. He ran his race. He nailed it. Quite literally. He nailed it. Chapter 2 says that he brought many sons and daughters to glory. He makes our faith possible. He makes a way back to the Father. So because he's the pioneer, he's also the perfecter. It's like he brings together these Hebrews 11 heroes with us. And he, and he brings us together. The fullness of faith, the perfection of faith is found in Jesus. It's in him. He's the pioneer. He is the perfecter. Colossians 2, we're buried with him. We're raised with him. Our faith is th- through him. And so fixing our eyes on him gives us perspective, helps us see ourselves the way that he would have us see, makes us realize you don't need to have the perfect faith to follow him this next year. You don't need to have everything sorted in your life. You bring what you have to the table and he makes it a feast. That's faith, that, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So if you feel out of your depth right now, the things that God has spoken to you about these last few weeks, the dreams that he's given you, the people that he's given you a heart for, if you feel out of your depth, you're exactly where he wants you. Because that's, that's faith. Taking God at his word, trusting that he's going to show up. I want to be in places where if God doesn't show up, I'm going to look like an idiot. Because, do you know what, it's just more exciting for a start. That's faith. And then one of the things I do here at the church is I oversee the prophetic ministry. And perspective has never more been taught to me than in in this kind of situation. So quite often we'll have the opportunity to prophesy over individuals. And we have teams who um, take bookings and you can come in and sit down and we will prophesy over you and speak over you how Father God sees you. And um, as much as, as we hear and we discern, that is right. And um, I have to let you into a little secret. Sometimes I'm very good at boxing people, okay? I'm getting a lot better at this, but sometimes I'm like, I I know who this person is. I've kind of put them in this box, and I've put them on this shelf, and I know who they are. 
But when someone comes in for a prophetic appointment and sits down in front of me, honestly, time and time again, my perspective has been completely blown. Because what you do in the prophetic is you say, God, what do you see? And then you just speak that out. So I remember one time, this was a year or so ago, a lady came in and sat down. She was wearing socks with sandals for a start, which in my eyes is just a complete no-no. So I'd already judged her, is what I'm saying. And uh, she sat down, and honestly, it was like God broke me over this woman. I just, he started showing me who she was. He started showing me her heart for people. He started showing me the things that she'd walked through. He started showing me the things that he had for her life in the future. Honestly, by the end of it, guys, I was an absolute wreck. I was like, can I be your friend, please? (laughs) Because literally, I was like, you are the most amazing person ever. Because God had shown me who she was. He changed my perspective. He'd done a complete 180 on how I saw her. Fixing our eyes on Jesus gives us a perspective that is more honorable of the people around us. And I want that. I want to be a gracious. I want to be too gracious about other people. Look away to him. Verse three, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I think what the writer is saying, remember Jesus' journey. Remember him. Consider him. When we think of everything that he went through, the foul, degrading torture of crucifixion, we realize that we really face nothing by comparison. I want to run for his well done. The one who in every way has identified with my every single weakness. I want to run for him. And sometimes faith is not so much about emotional resolution or coming to a Sunday gathering and feeling more fired up about the week ahead. You know, sometimes there are weeks where I I leave a church gathering and I'm like, oh gosh, I feel more deflated than I did when I walked in. And there's something wrong there. But I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes faith is just putting one foot in front of the other. It's not about having the right feeling. Sometimes it's just reminding ourselves of the truth. Remembering him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary. You will not grow tired. You will not stop running the race that God has called you to. You will be the person God has called you to be in the place that he's called you to be that person. Look with perspective, look away to him. And then lastly, as I just bring this into land, faith people live with power. I would love to just take you back to verse two because um, I don't think we really realize how significant this verse is. It says, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is a massive concept, so let me just unpack this a little bit. What that means is that everything that Jesus went through, his cross, his torture, the humiliation of his death, God vindicated him. He came through for him. He, he looked at him and he said, well done, son. You've done it. You've finished it. He nailed it. He ran the race and he completed it. Jesus sat down because he'd finished the job. 
And he didn't just sit down in heaven, you know, kind of take a back seat somewhere near with the cherubim and have a nice little game of chess or something. He, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the Jewish Christians would have completely got this, but I don't think we really do. The right hand is basically like the place of absolute authority, the place of absolute power. If somebody, if I said to you, come and sit in my right hand, I'm saying to you, I completely trust you to do whatever you want in, in my power. Go for it. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. And so he's not just sat there having a little break. Gabriel, mine will be a beer, please. Um, I'm just going to put Sky Sports on. There's some cricket prayers coming in. I'm quite interested to see what the result is. He, he's not sat there having a little break. He's there interceding for you. He's there sat at the highest place of power, ready to pour his spirit into your life so that you can walk with faith, with everything that he has called you to. He's there ready to give himself to you. He's there encouraging you. He's there talking about you to his father, saying, hey, that's my girl. (laughs) That's what he's doing. Interceding for you. So Jesus, he's not only the example of the kind of faith that we need to run with perseverance. He's not only the one who gives us perspective, who does a 180 on us. But he is the one who empowers us to live with faith. It's in him. It's through him. Do you know, if if faith was up to me, I would have honestly left this ship a very long time ago because it, it really wouldn't have worked out for me. It's in him. It's in his power. And living as people of faith means that we live as supernatural people who receive from him. It means that we can expect God to show up in miraculous ways. Basically, in places where if he doesn't show up, we are going to look like idiots. That's like what I was saying earlier. It means that we can expect to see people get healed. And that is our new normal. That's the kind of faith I really believe God's calling us to as a church in this next season. That we're actually going to step out beyond our comfort zone and pray for these kind of things. Because he's the one who empowers us. He gives us himself. And um, I told you guys a week before last um, when I was speaking um, the story about the lady that I saw healed of complete deafness in her left ear. Um, But I I wanted to tell you another story tonight um, of a guy um, called Mark Marks. And um, he has set up this amazing healing ministry um, called Healing on the Streets. Um, in Northern Ireland. And the reason I wanted to tell you that story is because I am a little bit cynical sometimes and I can hear these amazing, incredible faith healing stories from America and around the world. And I'm like, that's great. But you're in America where it's sunny all the time. People are really very positive about life. Here, honestly, I think we've had three days of sunshine the entire summer. I'm a bit depressed. <laughs> so this guy um, set up this amazing healing ministry in Coleraine, of all places. And it is possibly even grayer than here. So, you know, he's been... Holy Spirit has been at work. Um, and so he tells this story. Annie from Ballymoney was diagnosed with liver cancer in February 2005. The doctors gave her 18 months to live and said there was nothing they could do for her. 
In June of 2005, she heard about healing on the streets and came to us for prayer. So they set up every Saturday morning in the grey, rainy streets of Coleraine, and they would pray for anybody who came along. By this time, she was seriously ill, and her skin was a deep orange colour. But as the team began to minister to her, they could see with with their own eyes that her colour began to change. Annie felt much better that very first time she came for prayer, and she returned week after week for more prayer, each time noticing further improvement. By the time Annie went back to her doctor, her skin was a healthy pink color. Annie, he said, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you didn't have cancer. He ran through all the tests and gave her a thorough examination. The results came back to say that all traces of cancer were gone from her body. The doctors called her a walking miracle. And honestly, guys, that is half a page, an entire book full of stories like that. It's called Stepping into the Impossible by Mark Marx. That, that is the kind of faith that God is calling us to as a church. And I, I want it. I want to step into that. But I know that I can't, I can't do that. I can't do it on my own. And that's why faith people live with power. Because they live with Jesus. You have Jesus inside you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in each one of you this evening. If you believe in Jesus, that's that's truth. That's the reality of who you are. Holy Spirit lives in you. He empowers us. So, what are your power stats like this evening? Are you trying to live like you don't need plugging into the source? Can I encourage you that is a ludicrous idea? You need him. We need him. I need him. You need him. So, faith, as we finish this series together. Faith, taking God at his word. Trusting God in his power to show up. Putting the weight of your life on the belief of your heart. And it's in him. It's in him. What we're going to do is we're just going to spend a bit of time responding um, to Jesus together. And it kind of, to be honest, summarizes this series, what I'm doing this evening. I um, have asked some of the ministry team to come and line up along the front. So guys, if you could start getting ready. Um, They are going to really simply offer an anointing with oil. This is really biblical. It's just a symbol of the power of Holy Spirit. So if you would like to say to God this evening, God, I want to step with faith, with greater faith, into this next season of of my life, into this next season of our life together as a church. And if you're a visitor and you love Jesus, you're so welcome to do this with us as well. I want your boldness, your courage, your power. If you you would like to say that to God and, and Mark that before him this evening, then I'd love you to come. And the ministry team are just going to pray really simply. They're going to say, Holy Spirit, come. And they're going to just pray God's boldness and God's courage into you. Is that cool? Are we good? Um, Can I just ask, if you're part of the prayer ministry team, could you make your way over there just now? That would be great if we could have a few more people helping. Fantastic. Great. Okay, why don't we stand together and pray, and the band are going to come and lead us in worship.
let's just posture ourselves before Jesus together this evening, whatever he, he wants to do. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you are the one. You are the ultimate hero. And we don't have to step into this faith thing on our own. You go with us. And Father, we, we just ask you to come. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come? And of all the stuff that the preacher said that wasn't helpful, would you blow it away? But the stuff that was of you and that would disturb and call out faith, we ask you to come. Would you breathe on us this evening, we pray, for your glory, for this city and for this nation to come to know you again, we pray. Amen.